The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James, and today we're going to be discussing Huddersfield 1... <clears throat> checks notes Fulham 5 at the John Smith Stadium back at away games and what a way to mark it after 18 months since that game at Bristol City when the pandemic came in and we were banished from away grounds and kind of any ground ever since and then to go up to West Yorkshire and score 5 in Marco Silva's second game breaking records all over the shop yesterday I believe it was our biggest away win since 1999 incredible scenes yesterday up in West Yorkshire we're going to be discussing all of that and of course all aboard HMS Piss the League is underway. Uh, am I getting carried away just a little bit? And here on the podcast today is Lydia Campbell. Hi, guys. My fellow shipmate, Don Betts. Hello, hello. And my first captain, Joe Sansom. Hey, guys. Um, Lydia, I didn't. I forgot to give you a, uh, a ship. What, 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 what ship title can I give you? Oh, um, I, oh my word. I mean, can I just say, I wasn't expecting that horn. Um, so <laughs> that was terrifying. But we'll go with it. <laughs> You'll all be delighted to hear that I've got a new bit of podcasting equipment which give me, gives me sound effects. I can do anything. I can go. Oh, that's a rubbish one. Who are, what else can I do? I quite on. like that. Uh, all sorts. Bit of an applause whenever someone makes a great, whenever someone makes a great point. So I'm just getting really say. carried away with the hotkeys here. He's just like, yeah. what, what can I play now? What can I play next? <laughs> okay, right. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Let's do some three-word views from yesterday's game. Lydia, you've been taking a look. Yeah, I have. I've stuck with Twitter um, purely because there was so many absolute golden ones. Um, a lot, a lot of people sort of reminiscing about the Parker Ball days, um, but in a very, um, a very positive way. In that we're not there anymore. Um, Jacob Krupa with long live silver ball, quite quite like that. Lot yep. of Parker Ball is gone and Parker Ball is dead, things like that. Um, which I think we're all very glad about. Um, so there was quite a lot of that. Um, we have RB31 with Mitro's Mishap Miracle. We do love a little bit of alliteration here. So um, I thought yep, I, yep. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Swinzorian, I think. I've heard with, of him, uh, yeah. yeah. again Fulham, which yeah, I think we can all agree yesterday was super fun. Um, Pavel Kondov with Huddersfield of Dreams. Enjoyed that. And yeah, Elizabeth with Cavaliero Comeback King, which I think is spot on. Um, the poor guy got a lot of stick last year, but that was absolutely marvellous. We did also get a lot um, of tributes to that infamous um, Brentford um, poster from the other night. With So Lenny has electric, exciting, exceptional. Um, but electric, exciting, exceptional. Exactly. So there was quite a bit of that as well. But yeah, so there's that, you know what, it's great doing something like three word review on a day like today because we're all just so happy. It's great. We are indeed. I feel like I haven't seen the Fulham fan base this boy in. I guess maybe the Brentford win. Even then, though, it was kind of tinged with um, maybe the dread of the Premier League. And also it was just a bit of a shithouse way to go up. I haven't seen, I think maybe the 4-0 against Millwall. Uh, Joe, I'll come to you on this one first, actually. Just just sum up the, the, the mood after that win yesterday. As I mentioned at the top, records broken left, right and centre and a real feel-good factor back at Fulham. I think that's it. Yeah, feel good. I mean, it was so nice that even with the red card, as soon as that happened, Silver, you know, throw on another attacker. Let's get the next goal. We're better than you. We're going to beat you with 10 men was the sort of attitude. And I felt by watching the highlights of Scott Parker's Bournemouth yesterday, it definitely felt a bit like here's what you could have won or, well, here's what you could have lost because that seemed dreadful. They went down to 10 men. They grinded it out, to be fair to them, at Nottingham Forest. Um brought on an extra defender immediately after going down to 10 men and Silva just thought, no, let's get at them. And it was such a great feeling watching goal after goal. And every time we came forward, we looked dangerous. And I haven't felt like that for a long time, even in the championship. Um, 
to, to be completely honest, one of the last times I felt like that was against Huddersfield in the first half when we beat them 3-2 um, in the season. We went up under Parker for the first half an hour. We were very good. But I mean, every player seems to be playing with confidence and it's so good to see players, some of them coming back into the fold, playing with a smile on their face because at the end of the day, football is meant to be fun. And I feel like even with some of the good results we got over the last couple of years, it was never that fun to watch, maybe with the exception of that Millwall game, as you said. And I think this is what it's all about. And I hope there's many more games like this coming up this season. So Dom, away days are back. Uh, obviously, you are the uh, the chief of away days here at, at Fulhamish. So explain the day. Um, did you get stuck in a random pub in Huddersfield? Did you get lost in the taxi on your way home? Uh, sum up the day from start to finish. Well, boarded that 7.33 train, I think it was, from a King's Cross. <laughs> get, getting into Huddersfield before half 10 in the morning is... Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Most... What, what were the drinks on the train? A uh, bottle of Mad Dog for any anyone who knows what that is, or for What's those that? who live in England, MD twenty twenty. Uh, but yeah, no bottle of Mad Dog on the train up. That was the amount of looks I got for drinking that on a train at like eight in the morning was a delight. I've missed, <laughs> I've, I've, I've missed those looks. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, change over, changed over in Leeds. It was, it was just, it was chaos anyway because they had fucking Man United in the twelve thirty. So it was chaos, just entirety in Yorkshire yesterday. Um, I was like, because obviously the train from Leeds to Huddersfield was obviously going up to Manchester Piccadilly. So ah. there, there was loads, loads of Leeds fans getting on that train as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it just was so good just to like feel like it was a normal day back. Like it just, it, it was just, it was so nice to be annoying random people in a northern town who were clearly despising ever, any action that I caused. In, in Huddersfield but no it was great spent spent two hours in uh, one of the, the local Weatherspoons in uh, in Huddersfield before what's it called the Lord Wilson what's a place um, Lord Wilson before heading across to uh, Magic Rock Brewery because if you go into Huddersfield you've got to go to Magic Rock I mean one of the apparently it's very good in there it is very it is very good they have street food outside uh, obviously loads of craft beers on tap and uh, like, yeah it was, it, was, it was great and then obviously got to get to the game Obviously, it wouldn't be Fulham without the ticket office being, you know, somewhat of a shambles. I think, I think, I think there was people who need to collect their tickets, which obviously they booked it late and they couldn't deliver on time. Obviously, tickets only came on Monday, and I think they were put on the club coach from Craven Cottage, which ended up getting a punctured tire on on the way up, so they were delayed arriving. Um, and then I think you had a couple of mates who needed to go get a ticket from obviously the ticket office, but it wasn't like an away ticket office. It was just the generic ticket office. So you had Huddersfield fans trying to get tickets. You had Fulham fans trying to get tickets. One of which was CEO Alice, Alistair McIntosh. <laughs> queuing what, up. in the queue? Yeah, he was in the queue. Uh, my, mate, my, mate, my mate ended up getting a selfie with him. Extraordinary um, scenes. Um, so, yeah, so it was it, it, it was the most uh, Fulham way to come back. And then obviously the game uh, panned out the way it did. And it was just, it was just, it was obviously seeing so many people again who I haven't seen in, you know, 18 months or so. And yeah, what a way to come back with a 5 1 victory. Um, meeting random people on the train back, making people move carriages off. Away days are back. Away days are back. And obviously, there were six goals, Dom. How many did you see? Two. Brilliant. <laughs> strong, strong start. <laughs> it's not my fault. There were like three goals in five minutes with five minutes for half time. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I was I was in the stand and I said, "All right, I'll wait till thirty-five to go for a pint." It got to like thirty-one. I was like, "Nah, nah, going on now." <laughs> uh, but uh, there must have been so many people who missed uh, three goals. I mean, Joe was saying he, he wasn't even at the game and still missed three of the goals. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, the goals did happen very quickly. I was watching it and nearly. It was missed so hard to try and work out what was going on because there's no screens in the concourse or anything, and you can like briefly see sort of through. But like we were like, "What? What? What on earth is going?" On? Uh, Lydia, you were also at the game. Um, how many of the six goals did you see? Well, I would like to say six, but to be honest, I mean, did anybody see our third, our, our our second goal? I yeah, don't think no. So. To be fair, no, I don't think anyone did. I mean that that I, I've never seen so much confusion in a football stadium before. Um, I, you know, there was people just all around me, just with their arms in their air going what has just happened when it first happened i thought the referee had pointed to penalty spot 
That's why I thought the Fulham fans were happy. And I was like, I've no idea what's happened. The other side of the pitch, I've no glasses on, which is a rookie mistake. Um, I had not a clue. And then it was only whenever it, they actually updated the scoreboard. It was just, it was absolutely bonkers. No, and you know what? It was actually quite a well-taken goal. So yeah. we, I think it kind of deserved a bit of um, acknowledgement. But no, we had absolutely no idea that it had happened. And speaking of goals that we can't explain, let's come on then to goal number one. And on a, it's like an oil painting. It could be sold in the Louvre and it would be there for years and years. Right, I'll break this down. First of all, you've got the Huddersfield player who's so desperate not to give away a throw-in on his own halfway line that he back-passes it, best part of 60 yards to his goalkeeper. It could have gone anywhere. That could have gone in the net, first of all. And then you've got um, uh, Schofield, the Huddersfield goalkeeper, desperate not to give away a corner, so tries to inexplicably control a really, really difficult ball. The ball 100% goes out. As Dom said before we start this podcast, it's, he's nearly by the advertising hoardings. He then messes up the clearance so much so that it falls towards Mitrovic. Mitrovic is so shocked that it's coming towards him that he slips. It hits his arm and then it somehow loops off his arm into the net. The keeper gets close, but not close enough. I mean, I was just there at home going like, what have I just witnessed? Yeah, when, when I watched, when, but the worst thing about it, right, is when you mention about um, it being halfway to the advertising awnings, is it came on the screens in the ground. Okay. So everyone's watching it back, and I was like, "Well, that's about five yards off the pitch. <laughs> how how on how on earth has that been given?" But I was like, "If you want to welcome back to the championship, I think that goal is the absolute uh, just see, welcome back." So you say that was the worst moment. I actually thought that was the best moment. That was. <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just stood there looking back at the screen behind me, just laughing. I was like, "How, like, was that, how on earth has that been given?" Fans went absolutely nuts, and it was glorious, absolutely glorious. I mean, Joe, have you ever seen anything quite like it? I mean, we put something out on Twitter, like saying, have you seen kind of like a worse, weirder Fulham goal? I'm sure there are some out there. A couple of people wanted to mention like the, the Kevin McDonald one that at, at Barnsley was, was up there of being a bit of a scrappy goal. But at least like we were intending for that to go in the net. This was just out of this world. This was just chaos. I mean, it's just one of the, my favourite goals ever. By far. And then the fact that Mitrovic does a full-on celebration yeah. right in front of the Huddersfield fans. I saw Wilson winding them up as well. Um, just just pure chaos. It's great to be back. And I don't care how we score. If we score right. 100 more of those, I'm I'm all for it. And I think what you guys are saying about it coming on in the ground, um, I think just makes it even better. Because if I was a Huddersfield fan, I'd be absolutely furious. Um, and to me, that just fuels the chaos. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and obviously we did have a lucky break early in the game where Huddersfield had a goal disallowed at the time watching it couldn't quite work it out. I'm sure you guys were the same in hindsight, though, a very, very good decision from the official because it, it was offside um, from Huddersfield. And then Lydia mentioned um, Josh Onoma made it to uh, Joe and it was hard to work out what was going on. Jim and Jamie, I watched it back on the 90 minutes on the website today. Didn't know it had gone in. Had absolutely no idea. And they were on the halfway line, guys. So you guys at the Fulham end must have had absolutely no chance. Um, but it's actually a wonderful header from Josh Onoma. Really, really brave. Yeah, really nice set-piece routine as well with the way that Bobby Reid sort of ran to the near post, flicked it on. Um, it's great to see a corner actually coming off in our favour. I mean, it's really nice to see. And I think if you watch it back, the highlights, and you listen to the fans or the, or the lack of noise because it's about 10 seconds after the goal... Um, I think it's partly because all the all the players sort of like bundle into Josh Onham on the floor. And from that far away, you're not going to think that it's a goal. Like there's no one really going crazy at all. Um, really bizarre to listen back and just hear like silence from all around the ground. Um, yeah. And obviously it was a bit of a disappointment, Dom, that we went to 2-1. But before you knew it, it was... 3-1. Obviously you were in the bar by this point. Um, but a lovely 
bit of play for, from Decker Dover-Reed. Neat finish as well for, from Fabio Carvalho. I guess this is probably the moment that we should give Bobby Reed some credit because three assists, um, only slightly bettered by Paul Pogba up the road who got four yesterday. Um, it, it was a wonderful performance from Bobby and that was typified his game really, the, the work that he put in to set up Carvalho. I assume you've seen the goal back. Yeah, no, no, no I've, I've, I've watched him back. It's a great, it's obviously cut back, great finish from uh, Carvalho into the back of the net and it's, um, I think, I think Bobby Reed lot this week sort of showed what we were missing last week. I think, I think there was a, I think when you look at our performance against Middlesbrough, I say we did obviously finish one one, which people are annoyed about, but we didn't play badly in the game. This wasn't sort of that decisiveness in in the final third, or there was, if, for example, if Cabana was going down the line, there wasn't that the, the final ball was the one that was off. You know, I know we had like was it sixteen, seventeen shots against Middlesbrough, but I think there was only three or four that were on target. And I think Bobby Reed yesterday just, just was just making the right decisions at the right time. And I think I think that's what we've really been missing. And I think Bobby Deckard over Reed last season, obviously, uh, did he fin- end up finishing on top goal scorer in the end? I'm not not 100 sure. Pretty but, sure um, he did, yeah. Yeah, uh, but like he, we, we, I think he's really come into his own. Because I think his first season at Fulham was obviously everyone remembers that amazing goal at Huddersfield at home. But I think there was a. There was all there was sort of a time where people like oh I don't know if Bobby Reed should start I don't know if what what if, if he's a backup to Mitrovic or if he's someone who can play off in behind him or obviously out wide left or out wide right but I think yesterday showed that especially in the championship what he can offer we saw it that season at Bristol City where he was one of the top goal scorers in the league behind behind Mitrovic at that point and it was just like I think I think I think Bobby Reed yesterday showed why he needs to start. And I think, yes, I think that, and it's a great finish from Carvalho. People talk about the Bobby Reed for assist, but it's a great finish from Carvalho because he can easily hit that and it could go straight into the keeper. But he, yeah. he hits, he, he places it so, so well into the back of the net that it was, it was an absolutely wonderful finish. But yeah, those, those three goals in five minutes, trying to watch it from the concourse with no screen was one of the most confusing five minutes. I think everyone was like, what's, what's actually going on here? What's like, the score? Yeah, what's the <laughs> score? What is going on? But, um, because it, it's not like it was an empty court. Like, it was, there was a fair few people in the corner. Like, does anyone know what's going on in, in the game? Because obviously, the second goal is usually if there's a goal, you can gather what's going on by the celebrations. But because the second goal was so not really celebrated, everyone was so confused at the time. And obviously, Huddersfield came back into the game. And then obviously, we, Cavani then goes and scored. And it was, so is that 3 1 now? Like, can we, can we confirm it's now 3 1? <laughs> <laughs> Can we, can we? Can someone tell me what the score is around here, please? For God's sake, I'm trying to get a beer. Um, Lydia, uh, we went into the second half and I think um, by that point, Huddersfield were just trying to get their way back into the game, but getting more and more frustrated. The game was getting dirtier and dirtier and, and Carvalho particularly was getting some real rough treatment from, from the Huddersfield players who were getting more and more frustrated and really the only way they knew how to deal with him was by taking him out. One of them, by the way, was a full-on like Chiellini on Saka just grabbed him by the back of the shirt. Um, but it all culminated in Harry Wilson's red card. I thought that I don't see it being rescinded, put it that way. I feel it's harsh on Harry. I think that I understand his reaction, but it, in my opinion, he gave the referee a decision to make, but I don't know if you disagree. No, I think um, I think you're spot on there, to be honest. I mean, at the time, again, um, I couldn't see what it was for. Um, I kind of saw the referee and the, um, and the fourth official having a chat, and honestly, I thought they were deciding whether to send the Huddersfield player off or yeah. not. I mean that now part of that is because again we were a wee bit away from it. Um it was down like pretty much in my eye line, but it was still too far away to really, really see any any details. I thought the tackle was fairly ropey. Um but if you you know if you raise your leg, if you flick out at all, even if the Huddersfield player one hundred percent made a meal of it. And there was another player as well, I can't remember possibly Dwayne Holmes. I'm not sure was right over to the referee and pointing at him and, you know, in, in his face a little bit. Um, but we can't really complain, I think. And I think Harry will go back and look at that and think, well, actually, yeah, as you say, I've given the referee a decision to make. Um, and if you do that, you are essentially in, um, in the wrong. I do think he was a bit hard done by because it was a terrible tackle on him. But um, as I say, you can't, in this day and age, you just can't flick out. It happened so close to the fourth official as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was right beside the Huddersfield dugout. 
who yeah. they're obviously going to go nuts. Um, and there is always going to be a little bit of home crowd pressure, which obviously we didn't have in the last maybe year and a half. Um, so referees, you know, it's going to happen. But uh, as you say, I, I, I do think it's his own fault for, for flicking out. I mean, I must admit, Joe, I was quite impressed that the referee or the four officials saw it. It was very, like, it wasn't a, an absolute stamp from Harry Wilson. It was a flick of the legs. It was in a melee of a challenge. In real time, I did not see that. It's one of those that you'd expect to be given by VAR, but obviously it wasn't. It was it was actually seen. So I was almost reasonably impressed with the officials. I wasn't impressed with the officials that they didn't give any punishment to Cowlin for, for scything him down. But yeah, it was it was a hell of a spot. Yeah, completely. It took me a few watches to actually understand what even happened. I mean, um, I don't know who spotted it, if it was the linesman. I I presume it was, um, or maybe the fourth official even, because it was right by the dugouts, as you say, Lydia. Um, It's a really annoying one, because as you say, I think it would have been given by VAR. um, And I think it's it's more naive from Wilson. If anything, you just, you know, if that happens, don't react. And the best case scenario is that the Huddersfield player gets sent off and that's it um game over the worst case scenario is they at least get a booking or something you know you're you're not going to get punished you've just been fouled just don't react but um frustrating one don't think it's as clear a red as I've seen some say but um like you say I don't think it's going to get rescinded because he has moved his foot out um and whether it was deliberately lashing out or not he's given the referee a decision to make yeah, um, so we'll miss him for the Millwall game, then the Hull game and uh, the Birmingham City in the Cup game, which I imagine Harry will be gutted uh, to miss out on a, um, a second round Carabao t- Cup tie up to Birmingham. He'll, he'll be gutted uh, to not get to go to St. Andrews for that one. Um, and Dom, at that point, I guess you could have been concerned for Fulham that uh, we might surrender or like Huddersfield might get a goal, get back into it, make it really nervy. But we kind of alluded it to it at the beginning. That is not what happened. And and the substitutions that Marco Silva then made were were fantastic. And and within minutes, Cavalera had made it four. Yeah, it, oh, when he when obviously when Harry Wilson gets the red card, and as as Joe said, I think it was it's debatable. But he's made he's given the referee a decision to make. So that that that's that's the, that's 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 what happened there and obviously then obviously you said Cavalera make, making it four but I was like surely we're not doing this like, can't, like we've been battering them all day they've looked terrible all day I was like surely we're not going to go down 10 men let them back into the game but I you couldn't really tell we were down to 10 men to be to be to be perfectly frank um yeah, Caval- Cavalero comes on. It seems to be one of his favourite grounds to perform at in a Fulham shirt when it, when it yeah. comes to Cavalero and Huddersfield. Well, he scored that screamer last season, to, uh, well, two seasons ago, to give us the uh, to give us a 2-1 win. And obviously, he scored two, two years ago, which we'll get on to with the fifth as well. But yeah, great, great, great stuff um, with, from Cavalero. And I think, I think you kind of alluded to earlier, Sammy, that Cavalero, I think, from his perspective, really feels like he's got a point to prove this season. In yeah. regard to obviously last season, I know he played that false nine role in certain stages. For example, when we got the point um, away at Spurs, and you know that was probably the best when he played. Obviously, scored that header to get the equaliser. Um, but I, yeah, I really, I really it enjoyed Cavalero coming on yesterday and wanting to prove a point. And you know, I think he needs that sort of fire in his belly to do stuff. But as as I said, you you really could not tell that we went down to 10 men yesterday. And it was great to see someone like Marco Silva, I suppose, uh, probably a decision that Scott Parker would have made. He would probably have brought on a more defensive-minded player. But the substitutions that um, he was making was like, no, we, we, we're going to go for this. We, we can smell blood. We, we know this Huddersfield team all day today have looked very, very poor. And obviously, they only, they only, just, they only, they only drew with Derby last week. So they, I think they, re, from Huddersfield's perspective, they're probably looking at, we could, we could end up going down this season. And I think, yeah, Marcus Miller smelt blood and went for it, and his his tactical plan worked. Yeah, I guess, Lydia, is that something that we need to keep in mind, that Huddersfield did look awful? Um, Ryan Schofield in goal was was atrocious, and there were several poor performances all over the pitch from Huddersfield yesterday. They drew with Derby on the opening day. Um, I I mean, I really fear for them. I really fear for them. You watched that performance yesterday, and they looked like prime relegation material. Whilst it's great, we won 5-1, we should all be excited. You don't score five from away from home like that very often. We have to put into perspective this whole kind of HMS Piss the League. 
Uh, yeah. Look, I think I think we can be excited without getting overexcited. Do you know what I mean? We can, um, as you say, it's all well and good, you know, us beating Huddersfield because, I mean, they were dreadful. But they're still not going to, well, hopefully for their sake, not going to concede five goals at home every other week. Um, what I would say is I was more impressed. I really hope not. That would well, be that would Yeah, be I mean, that, that would be horrific. <laughs> um, bless them. Um, a good mate of mine in work is a Huddersfield fan. And he has said to me all week, you're going to absolutely batter us. You know, you're going to batter us. There's absolutely no, and I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, we might be better than you, but we're Fulham. So, well, yeah. you know, we, we do do um, dreadful things from time to time. Um, so I think I think it's about looking at what was good about yesterday and what was different to the past couple of seasons um, with how we handled those moments like Huddersfield getting a goal back. Um, that could have had a really bad impact in the team because you're looking, you go from 2-0 up approaching halftime to 2-1 they get a halftime team talk with their, you know, as in if we hadn't scored that, that, that third goal, they go in at halftime and their manager can be like, look, you know, we've put, got a goal back, like, you know, this is in our hands, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's, that third goal was probably the most important in the match, in my mind, um, because yeah. of how we responded to something that could have been um, possibly very pro- problematic. Um, and I think we can acknowledge that Huddersfield were awful, but also think, well, do you know what? Actually, though, we still handled those situations very, very well. Um, And as I just said a minute ago, you know, you would like to think that Huddersfield still aren't going to concede five um, at at home every game. So there has to be um, some praise for the boys in that in that respect. Yeah, Joe, your, your, your just general feelings, top of the league, but as you say, two games in, it's, it's, it's heady days. We are excited. I guess Millwall on Tuesday may be a better litmus test as to where this team is. Yeah, I, I think so. I think Millwall's always a good game to find out where you are. You know, they really sort of sum up the championship a bit like Middlesbrough do, a big physical team, especially going away from home. It's going to be a bit different, but yeah, you know, Huddersfield, the, the, looking at the win itself, you can only beat who's in front of you. But I think the most important thing is the way we did it. I mean, you know, if we'd have beaten Huddersfield 1-0, I'd still be over the moon. You know, it's a it's a good start to the season, but it's the way we've done it and the way we did it with 10 men. Um, I know we didn't have 10 men for long, but when we did, we scored two more goals. And um, I, I think, would, would West Brom have done that? Would Sheffield United have done that? Would... Bournemouth have done that. And at this stage of the season, I don't think they would. And that's what's important because when early days, Silver's had a bit of a disjointed three-week period to sort of get the team ready. Then we've had the Middlesbrough game. Now we've had the Huddersfield game and we're sitting top of the league. And I know it's so early days. There's literally 44 games left. But um, great start. And Millwall, I'm so glad the game comes around quickly because there's no better feeling than playing another game when you're in this good form. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, we've got loads of questions uh, to get into, so we'll get tucked into those after this. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy here with Lydia Campbell. Good evening. Tom Betts. Hello, hello. And Joe Sansom. Hey, guys. All right, let's get into some questions. Mixture of Twitter and Instagram today. Uh, Joe, I'll go to you on this first one because it's a transfer rumour and uh, I know that uh, you love your transfer rumours. In the Fulhamish group, Joe is always first to post the links. Some some of them are a bit dodgy, I've got to say, like some random guy from like the Persian fourth division that we're definitely not (laughs) signing, but yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the what's the bloke in Brazil who I swear you're tweeting on a, a pretty much daily basis? Oh, Mr. Muniz, yeah, Mr. Muniz. Am, am I no, 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 I know him, but who's who's oh, your man? Vene, oh yeah, he's that's uh, a grande. He is by far one of the best reporters I've ever seen. I mean, I think someone put in the group the other day, does he live with Muniz? Because some of these updates are very very specific. Like he was even yeah. following him to the airport, but. Um, yeah, if I recommend giving him a follow because it sounds like Muniz is having an isolation period now. Um, so get, get, get your latest info from, from him. And I guess Peter Rutzler will tweet it as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the the fact that he videoed Moonies going up the stairs on the escalator in the airport, I was like, what kind yeah. of access do you yeah. have to this bloke? Jesus. <laughs> like, he's probably going to be, his next time he'll be tweeting, oh, he's having pasta for dinner. Uh, it's lovely. He's got some chorizo and some cheese in there. I hope right. he's good with this level of coverage, because honestly, I saw more about Moonies than I have about Messi in terms of going to, <laughs> going to Paris. Uh, so, um, Rydell Fabian asks, Joe, Bruno Pez to which is a, a, an incoming transfer rumour. Do you know much about this one? I, I literally had a look at this this morning and apparently he's a defensive midfielder from Sporting B. So um, eff- effectively that's like playing in the, the under-23s. I think he is 23. I literally had like a five-minute research of him. But I mean, it's, it's another interesting rumour because it's another player from the Portuguese league. Um, and it seems like it would suggest that that's something that Silver's looking at. I know he's got links to sporting. Um, I think we need another body minimum in midfield and definitely someone to cover Reed because as well as we played yesterday and I'm sure we'll come on to our midfield, um, Seri stepping back in and doing a great job. I, I definitely think it's an area we need to address and be a bit stronger. Um, so I, I'm all for an incoming. I hope he's good. I can't say I know too much about him or I've ever seen him, but a defensive midfield is always going to be good news for me, I think. Yeah. Okay. Next question, Lydia, um, from Mitchell FFC on Instagram. Could Seri earn a starting role if he stays? Uh, we haven't talked about, uh, Seri's performance yet yesterday. I thought it was, um, you know, 8% impressive. I thought, I thought it was good. I thought it was a couple of moments that he clearly showed that he hasn't played football in best part of two years. There was one, I think it's midway through the second half where he just like dallied on the ball so much. Someone needed to shout man on at him um, and he just got completely dispossessed because he wanted to have about 30 seconds to size up what he wanted to do next. Um, but overall, I thought it was a good display from Seri and I thought it showed the touch of class that he could bring to this midfield. Yeah, I mean, look, we never know about Frank Zambo Anguisa or Jean-Michel um, Michel's Siri. Uh, you know, it's been this way for the past co- um, couple of transfer windows. Will they stay? Will they not? I would say that if he's still here and he keeps doing what he did yesterday, um, then, yeah, he he deserves that, that, that shirt for me um, until he loses it or someone else, you know, maybe betters him in training. Um, I would say there was a couple of moments uh, yesterday in, in the first half I found him a little bit, oh, I'm not too sure about this. Um, because as you say, he was dallying a little bit on the ball. I was having you know flashbacks to um, the Man City away game, our first year back in the in the Premier League when he gave the ball away in the middle of the pitch and they just came and scored. I was I, I, honestly I was having flashbacks of that. Um thankfully the Huddersfield players are not quite as good as Man City's. Um so we no. weren't we weren't uh, <laughs> we weren't um we they didn't capitalise on that but against better players um you might struggle. But I think he really grew into the game and you know as an away fan there yesterday, um, there seemed to be a lot of love for the fans from him. Um, he seemed really happy, applauding us, um, came over at the end, chopped the shirt in. Um, he looked happy. He looked really happy, which I wasn't sure he was. Um, so I think if he does keep turning performances like that, then I would say, yeah, absolutely. Give it, um, give him the opportunity um, but look, time will tell. It's it really is an absolute mi- mystery um, whether he'll still be a Fulham player uh, by the end of the window. I mean, Dom um, Stasi asks, can we convince Anguisa to stay? Do we want him to? Um, it was interesting to see him suddenly come off the bench again after Marco Silva said he won't play people that he doesn't believe are committed to the club. Is he suddenly had a change of heart, or did we just not have that much depth in midfield? Yeah, I think if you look at the depth, especially with the read injury, you've got basically you've got Anguisa and Tyrese Francois, and that, and that and that's your depth behind Onoma and obviously Seri. And I do find it interesting actually that the trust that um, Marcus is actually putting in Josh Onoma because we people weren't too sure about him going into the season. Is, is what I could gather, you know, as people saying, oh, he could he potentially be going out on loan to another championship team because you know obviously he didn't he didn't really play a part last season. I know. Obviously, I know he had his injury at the start of the season, and there was obviously when he wasn't registered in the Premier League squad. But 
No, I think I Angisa for me. I just don't. He doesn't want to be here. I don't think he's. I don't think he's really ever wanted to be here. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I know obviously he joined us for what was it thirty odd million from Marseille when he when he when he joined. But even I just I've, I've never really felt. I, I never really felt about Seri to be fair, but I've never really felt that Angisa has wanted to be at Fulham. He's he came here because we offered him so. Uh, we offered Marseille so much money, and and from people who reported in France, saying Marseille was like, why on earth Fulham offered this much money for a player who was very poor in their in their Europa League final defeat uh, back in was it would have been twenty what was it twenty twenty eighteen twenty nineteen? So um, when it when it comes, to, I think Anguissa is going to go. I, I think it will come to a point by the end of the window where if it's not a permanent transfer, Tony Khan will probably try and get whoever in abroad, whether it's in Italy or Spain or wherever, will try and get them to pay most of his wages because he's probably one of the highest, most, most paid players on a, on a wage point. And I think him and Sarri are probably still on Premier League money. So probably, they're probably on, you know, not maybe, it won't be on over, obviously over 100k a week, but it'll probably be on, you know, 60, 70k a week. And I think Tony Khan is just trying to, when it comes to financial fair play, if you look at what's rumoured, as Joe will know, with <laughs> the Miniz deal, it's about us playing sort of half, half this year, half next year. Um, so I think I don't think Anguissa is going to stay, but I'm very interested to see what happens with John Michael Sarri because what happens when Harrison Reed comes back? Is he going to play a double pivot of Reed and Sarri, or is he going with the trust he's put in in, in Josh Onoma in these opening couple of games? Is he going to look for the Reed Onoma pivot there? But said so if you're going off yesterday's game, I don't think Sarri set the world alight, but I think he did he did play well. So it's um it's interesting to see what happens to him. But when it comes to Anguissa, I think his time at Fulham has pretty much come to an end. Yeah, I mean, if Seri stays, Joe, I mean, you've got to wonder where Matt Grimes like fits into this team because you're going to have, I mean, obviously at the moment, I imagine Matt Grimes would do a great job because we've got Reed injured. And I know that Grimes doesn't quite play exactly the same role that Reed does, but you're going to have Reed in there, Onoma, Seri. I mean, especially if you somehow hang on to Anguissa, as unlikely as that is, with Tyrese Francois in there as well. I just don't, you've got to, you've got to ask the question is like, do you need, do you need Matt Grimes? Is he going to fit into the squad? Yeah. I mean, I think we need one more midfielder if Anguissa goes, even if he doesn't, but then if Seri stays, I think that negates the need for two. Um, I think that would be too many wages sitting on the bench, not playing every week. I know we've got to rotate in a championship Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday game schedule, but um you know, if if then we then have Reed when he comes back, Kearney when he comes back, Onoma, Seri, Francois as well. I mean, we're looking like we can only play two of them, um, and then one in the ten, which has been Carvalho recently, but that might end up being Kearney. At this rate, I actually hope it's Carvalho. I think he's been brilliant. Um, but I, I I think yeah, if if Seri stays, I think we only need one more midfielder, and that's someone to cover Reed when he's out. That's maybe a bit more defensive. Um, you know, Reed's had injury problems ever since we signed him. He missed a lot of the nineteen twenty season. He missed a chunk of last season as well, especially at the end of it. And that's, I don't think that's a coincidence. That's when it all really fell apart again. Um, and so I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think if Seri stays, that sort of is the, like the catalyst for how many midfielders we need to get. I assume Anguissa still goes. And the reason that he was involved was, as Dom said, squad depth. Also the fact that Kamara was on the bench last week against Middlesbrough, wasn't this week, is rumoured to be off. Um, we had to have someone else on the bench and I think that Anguissa might have just been the next man in line. Um, yeah. So um, it's an interesting one, but I think that Seri is the, the 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 big decisive action into how many more players we actually need. Yeah, exactly. And because and Grimes, as far as I've seen of him, is not a Harrison Reed direct replacement. Yeah, he, from, from talking to Swansea fans when we were like heavily linked, he's... Um, he apparently plays in front of their back four, but he's more of a like deep lying playmaker rather than like a full on defensive. I'm going to stop you playing midfielder. Obviously, he's their captain, so they're not going to want to lose him. And it sounds as if the deal was nowhere near where a lot of people were saying it was in the first place. But I still think he'd be a good signing, but certainly not one we need if we're lo- if we're not going to lose Seri and if we're already going to be bringing in someone else. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, Carvalho, Lydia, Connor Rain says, how does Carvalho's ceiling compare to Sessegnon's and Harvey Elliott's? I mean, how far he's come in what effectively has been five to six matches 
really. He came in for that game against Southampton. We were like, oh, nice. We're playing one of the youngsters. And suddenly two games into the championship, he's our starting 10. Um, Scott, his goal yesterday, I know he scored in the Premier League, so it's not a first goal for, for Carvalho, but kind of the first goal since he's had this central role. Um, we, we've got to be excited. It's such a shame that we kind of have our excitement at the moment tempered by this whole contract um, debates. Marcus Silva did talk about the contract debate, interestingly, in the press conference. Peter Rutzler tweeted saying that he, effectively Marcus Silva just said it's very important that we get him a contract, which didn't really tell us much either way. I could have said, I could have told Marco that as well. But anyway, back to the question, Lydia. Connor Rain says, how how does Carvalho's ceiling compare to, to Sessignon and Harvey Elliott's? I mean, look, the three of them are all quite different players. Um, Sess, I think. You know what? 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 What age is Fab again? Is he nineteen? Nineteen. Nineteen or so. Yeah. So I think I think one one of the things is obviously that he's coming a little bit later than the likes of of the other two. You know, Harvey Elliott was ridiculously young when he made his debut for us, and then was straight off to Liverpool. Um, and I think with Harvey Elliott, it seems to be they think he's a bit of a generational talent. Um, so which could still be true. Uh, we don't know yet. I think um, did he come on yesterday for Liverpool? I think he might yeah, have. He did, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know he hasn't been shipped out on loan yet. Um, they'll have plenty of European games. You might find that Harvey Elliott is playing Champions League football this year. Cesc obviously did ridiculous things for us, and then has kind of hit a bit of a brick wall. Um, unfortunately, um, at Spurs. So for Fab, I think maybe it's important for him to kind of look at that and say, well, actually, when players have left Fulham, it really does depend on where you go. So who is in form at the minute? You know, is it going to be a team who are just going to sh- ship him out on loan? You know, he's not going to go and be a starting player in the Premier League. He's too new to senior football for that. Um, so what I would say is the ceiling's high. Not sure if we can really compare it to Cesc's or Elliot's quite yet. Um, we just have to see how this season pans out. But I think, yeah, it's crucial that we nail him down to a, a contract. I think the best place for him right now is going to be under Marco Silva, who has had a lot of faith in him so far to put him into a number 10 role in a championship side, who a lot of people are saying are favourites for the league. And so if you're a 19-year-old kid who's played a handful of senior matches, um, the fact that he has had, or Silva's put his faith in him, I would say the fellas should stay. Um, and he seems to be a very central um, member of the of this team. He had quite a few chances yesterday. He also spread the ball um, very well. Um, I'd say the ceiling's high, but let's keep him um, and grind him into um, senior football. All right. Well, thank you very much for all your questions. Up next, we're going to preview Tuesday's trip to Millwall. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with Lydia, Dom and Joe. Right, let's preview Tuesday's trip to Millwall, the first midweeker of the season. Uh, I'm dead excited for this one. A trip to the Den. Uh, looks like uh, we've sold the allocation well. I don't I don't know if you either you know about this problem that's been going on with the, the Fulham ticket office website today. A lot of people complaining that they couldn't log on, so thought it was sold out. But apparently... It isn't sold out. Do you guys know much about this or am I the only one that's seen this? I ain't the only one who's seen this, but I think the ticket must have been a shambles all season. <laughs> to be too perfectly frank. Like, I think they've moved from Ticketmaster to a new sort of way. It's the first time I think you've, you've, you've been able to book a specific seat in an away end since probably first season back down in the championship, so 14, 15. And I think that's just um, created issues. And I think last week there was an issue where if you used a saved card, it the the order would say it was processed, but actually it it didn't it didn't go through. Like you didn't get an email confirmation, you didn't get um, any any money being taken out your bank account. And so I think I think it's just this migration between what from the Ticketmaster system to the new one, and it's it's causing issues. And and obviously, and even the ticket of Huddersfield, for example, <laughs> that arrived was written was sent in a handwritten letter. Like well, was... no, not added. I got a handwritten letter for my Millwall tickets, which, yeah, is, is quite a weird thing. 
Um, there was no stamp on it. I don't know how it got here. I'm still utterly baffled. I haven't quite got to the bottom of it. I just, I, I, I saw, you know, we, we all get handwritten letters through the door every once in a while. And I was thinking, oh God, there's going to be like a neighbour complaining about the dog or something like that. I was like, but they've got my address. That's odd. And they've called me Samuel as well, which like, you wouldn't necessarily know my name was Samuel unless you like had my bank card. Um, and yet with my Fulham tickets, I just, I just can't work out who, how, it, did, did we just forget? And just I also world... feel sorry for the geezer who's had to handwritten yeah. like a oh, thousand 3, different le- tickets. Yeah, like a thousand, thousands of different envelopes. But yeah, I think the ticket officer, the system migration between a, a system to a new one is caused, caused chaos. But uh, hopefully it doesn't mean loads of fans have got to quite try and queue up and try to collect tickets like it was at Huddersfield because I mean, there were some people who thought they weren't going to get in, get into the game on time. So um but no, at, least, think, at least a coach can't break down. There are no coaches to uh, Samil. They'll still so. find a way of making the tickets delayed. Oh, okay. we, we, we know how the Fulham ticket office works. In fairness, I've got the envelope still in front of me, actually. I mean, in fairness, whoever was probably on like envelope number 965 by the time they got to me, it's very neat handwriting. So you said they, they had to do it for Huddersfield as well. Brutal. We should what compare Sammy, see, see if it's the same person, to see, uh, see if the, might, ha- it, the hand... It, it, <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, I mean, I'd, it'd be barely legible by the time I've got to like 50, let alone, um, I remember doing a couple of like Fulhamish merch things back in the day where I like didn't use a printer and that was hard enough. And there was only like 10 people that ordered a hat or something. Um, right. Let's come on to the Millwall game. Uh, we had a question from FFC Matt's Joe, who says, who starts in midfield versus Millwall? Every midfielder who is fit, surely in contention. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think it depends quite a lot on whether Reed's back because if Reed's fit, then I'd I personally always play him. But if not, then I'd go with the same two that played against Huddersfield in Seri and Onoma. Um, I know a lot of people say put Anguissa in, but the fact of the matter is, I don't. I agree with Dom that I don't think Anguissa wants to be here. Um, I want players involved that are going to be here hopefully all season. I feel like we can still convince Seri to stay and I'm not sure we can with Anguissa and I don't think you should change a winning team unless you have to. So Reed for me, and I'm contradicting myself a bit there, I'd put him in because I think he's one of our best players, but if not, then I'd go with the same midfield too. Uh, Lydia, Millwall have had uh, a mixed start to the season. Um, one in the uh, Carabao Cup and then two draws uh, away at QPR, which is not a terrible result. And then at home to Blackburn, both 1-1. One, one. Uh, people have been tipping Millwall for fairly good things this season, have managed to keep most of their squad together. Gary Rowett is a good manager. Um, so they're going to offer us a much, much sterner test than we got on, on Saturday. And they'll be very, very keen to kind of get that first win uh, against us on on Tuesday. Maybe a bit of a um, curse in disguise, actually, the fact that they didn't kind of get that monkey off their back against Blackburn on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very different, um, very, very different kind of match, really. The other thing is they also have some real quality players, like Sajed Wallace, who started, I mean, there was a lot of people thinking that he would be moved away from, from Millwall. That move hasn't happened yet. I think he's scored a couple of goals already this season. Um, they have a couple of good players in midfield. Know quite a bit about um, George Savile. Obviously, play, plays for, for Northern Ireland as well. Very tidy mid, mid, uh, midfielder who's going to hassle, going to properly hassle in there. Um, and we need to be aware of that. What I do think is that if we can play with the same sort of intensity as we did yesterday, um, I'd be super pleased with that. What I would say is that we need to be better, um, and I'm hoping Silva's kind of looked at this already. It's only early days in the season, but we do not look very good from set pieces, um, defensively, I mean. And I think Millwall are more likely to capitalise on that than a Millwall or that that than a Huddersfield. And Huddersfield did <laughs> twice, you know, just what what one thankfully was 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 ruled out. But what I would say is Millwall will also be more tactically astute, I would say. Um going to the den is never a good place to go to, really, let's be honest. Um it's not an easy um away day. Their fans will be loud, uh, they'll be intimidating and we need to be on the ball from the beginning, um, high press kind of thing. I would say that this one, 
could is is much better to be able to tell how we are as a team than the the, the Huddersfield and even the the Middlesbrough games. Um, so I think um, there's going to be a lot of learning about about ourselves on Tuesday night. Yeah, indeed. All right. Um, one final question uh, here from Alex Pure Power. Um, he says the football this season has been electric so far. Early predictions for our final goal tally. Also, fun fact: we scored over twenty-five percent of last season's away goals tally, eighteen already. Uh, thank you very much, Alex, for that. Uh, so I'm going to put the betting out there, and you can uh, all um, buy a pint or, or get a pint bought for you if you uh, get it right. So, for context, in seventeen eighteen, which I would say was a fairly high-scoring season for Fulham in the Championship, we scored seven. 29 goals uh, we have six already in two games so Lydia we'll start with you uh, stick a number in the air and we'll see at the end of the season if you get it right how many goals will we get this season oh okay I'm gonna go for an improvement I'm gonna say 85 85 yeah uh, that's not bad goals. I still like under two a game actually so you know that's yeah that's that's a pretty conservative yeah, I'm, actually I'm, I'm, I'm grounded I'm being grounded uh, Dom 102 102 my we're top God. the league and we're not leaving that place for the rest of the season uh joe i, I was gonna go 100 so i'll stick with 100 I, I think i mean if mitrovic looks like he's gonna get about 50 so i think the others will chip in with about 50 as well good yeah. grief uh, i i know i feel very pessimistic no 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 Liz. i think you're i think i think you're actually pretty You'll be a lot spot closer, on. Liz, don't yeah. worry um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I was going to actually say eight, uh, 85 lids. So you've time to take my answer. Oh, so I'll say nine, I'll say 90 to be conservative, but we scored 90 goals. I think we're getting top two. That's, uh, let, let's, I, I thought way. you might go, um, proper guessy attendance there with Rushton and, um, Barry by going 84 or 86. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I could have done that. I very much could have done that, but I'm not that desperate to get bought a pint. Although I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say no. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, we'll see what happens on Tuesday at Millwall. If you're going, uh, enjoy the game. See you there potentially. Um, it's going to be uh, really nice to be back at an away day. I was gutted I didn't go to Huddersfield. Yes, I was already gutted before the game, thinking, oh, I'd really love to be going to Huddersfield. And then afterwards, um, extra gutted, I think, is the uh, is definitely the phrase. So if we lose on Tuesday, it's your fault, Sammy. Yeah. Someone did actually yeah. tweet me earlier and say, uh, Sammy, you know, you had that curse uh, against us um, in uh, last season where ever, whenever I did a podcast, we didn't win. Um, so yeah, if we don't win on Tuesday, I could really do about another curse this season. Surely, surely this season of all seasons, I can avoid a curse. Please, the love of God. Uh, before we finish, actually, Lydia, we need to name the podcast. So what are you going for? Um, do you know what? Just because it was so ridiculous, I'm going for... Um, RB31's Mitro's Mishap Miracle because it was the fun that sparked that game into life yesterday so let's let's go for that and, and a goal tally of one for the season for Mitro so huge, we, we've, got to, we've huge. got to be happy with that uh, Lydia thank you very much no worries it's been a pleasure Dom thank you no worries uh, I particularly enjoyed the extremely detailed away day breakdown uh, at the beginning of the podcast, right to ticket office problems, um, lead station, you know, you really got into lead the station nitty- weather spoons. It was uh, interesting. In you got into the nitty gritty of it and it's what we've missed. Uh, and Joe Sanson, thank you very much. Thanks, Sammy. Back to transfer watch for Joe. A dark yeah, room. straight, straight on the phone, Scat- straight on the bird app. <laughs> scouring news now uh, for the latest uh, information. Yeah, Samson, on, straight uh, on the blower to Fabrizio Romano. What's happening with Moonies? Yeah. <laughs> Get on the phone to Vene. Uh, see, see what Moonies is having for tea, please. All right. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, we'll go again on Tuesday, Connie Whites. Yeah.